Oh my goodness, we are back. Happy podcasting time. Uh, it's not 444, unfortunately, but that's okay. So uh, it's been two weeks. My goodness, last week was just crazy, crazy um, in a manner of different reasons. So I just needed to take a break from doing the podcast. Not that you'd care or probably even notice, but uh, it actually is leading us to our topic for today. So I'm super excited that you're here. I hope that you are as well. I hope that you've been well as well. There's a lot of wells. Okay. Uh, and let's get into this. So Let's do our plugs real quick, and we'll get into some content. This is Rachel Vote. This is a good girl's guide to uh, doing the podcast. Um, you can find me here on Anchor. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook. You could find me um, even on Gmail at a good girl's guide too. You'll find me at the same handle at all of those. You get free content on all of those platforms, including Facebook every Monday night. And if you are someone who's looking for a place to do a little bit of sexual wellness and intimacy building. Also on Facebook, I have a really great group that's over 4,000, excuse me, 4,000 members. We're almost to 4,500 uh, that do a lot of sexual wellness and intimacy building. You have to be 18 years or older and have feminine energy to be a part of that group, but it's totally secret. Don't even try to find it because you're not going to find it. You have to be invited by a existing member. So make sure to let me know if you're looking for some free content around that too. So lots of ways to um, better yourself, lots of ways to connect, lots of ways to kind of fill your cup uh, without dropping a single penny. Now, if you have been resonating with me for a while, don't forget that we also have the availability of doing the empowerment classes. That is a really great entry-level way, affordable way to get your um, feet dirty in terms of understanding what personal development is, what does it mean, how do we actually implement change? Because I think that a lot of people are familiar with growth these days, but a lot of people are still struggling with how do I actually make it work? Um, you know, a lot of us are familiar with trying a diet and failing, um, trying any change basically and failing or feeling like a failure when it's really not that. It's just one attempt that you gave to it in recognizing that uh, you can't change everything overnight kind of thing. So the empowerment class is amazing. It's a entry level availability online and then if you really want to expedite your own personal momentum then definitely reach out to me and we can schedule a one-to-one -one session uh, if you feel like you're failing um i don't like to say that word how about struggle bus in a little bit with connecting or aligning let's say with your relationships on wealth your intimate relationships among all the other types of relationships how about your relationships with your mental and physical well-being your relationship with your spirituality and your relationship with passion which as we've talked about previously in the past, passion hopefully is what you're doing to make an income in your life, but I tend to find for a lot of people it's not or they're trying to find a way to make that happen, which is phenomenal. Keep at it, boo-boo. Um, but if that's not something that you are spending majority of your week doing around passion, then you want to associate that with growth and contribution. That's um, how I have definitely seen it for a lot of people play out. So that's it, right? Those are the ways to connect with me. And I, just, like I said before, I hope you've been fantastic. I feel like I have been struggle busting the last couple of weeks. And while I do my best to be transparent, I often have noticed that I can't share my in the moment frustrations or fatigue or um, shortcomings more often than not, just because I don't know like what to do with it. I never want people to think that I'm hiding it because I don't feel worthy enough to be in a fragile space, I think. Um, I do grapple with that, of course. It's more about, like, the, the same things I tell y'all. Like, if you're struggling, then, you know, um, that's okay. You're not supposed to know it all. But when you work in an occupation where your job is to help people live their best lives in whatever capacity. Sometimes it definitely, it feels a little high pressure. Like, why can't you get your shit together? Why can't you figure this out? I just have to be completely gentle with myself and often give myself reminders that, you know, I'm doing the best I can with what I have. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't born enlightened. I didn't start with like, you know, a silver plate 
oh, it wasn't served to me on a silver platter, I guess is what the phrase is, right? On how to navigate life, right? So I'm doing the best I can with what I got. And I'm sure you are as well, but you might feel sometimes like you're, you're struggling a little bit. And um, that's kind of what I want to talk about. I, the thing that's been going around in my brain the last couple of weeks uh, is this like chicken and the egg kind of philosophy, right? Which came first. Okay, so through this talk today, content is going to be really, you know, like definitely some tangible things. It's been a while since I feel like I've given you some actual tangible things to go out and do in terms of making change in your life, um, which is both good and bad. I think for a long period of time, I just was on this string of just let me share a bunch of information with you that I have, which is all stuff I've mostly either learned recently myself or I've been doing it so long in my business that it's basically become second nature. So I have the ability just to kind of riff about a lot of stuff right now. Um, this is something that this content, I'm hoping even, I'm selfishly hoping for myself, it brings me a little bit of contentment, I suppose. The chicken or the egg? Which came first? Which came first? Right. So there's so many things that I go back and forth about this with, but the thing that I'm, um, using this analogy for today is it's not something I can blatantly just say, did this come first or this come first? So let's talk about it. So which came first? Um, the discovery of mental health being so prominent among human beings. Like, is it something that all of a sudden there's a huge wave of people having depression and anxiety and um, being diagnosed ADHD, ADD, bipolar, uh, anything, schizophrenic, just whatever it is, whatever it is, anything mental health related. And I just want to acknowledge, by the way, we've already come so far because we used to refer to that as mental illness, not mental health. So there is a stigma that's being removed from it. So we do know that that's one leg of it. One leg of it is that there's always been mental health awareness and uh, the need for mental health, uh, for sure. You know, back in the day, if anybody was schizophrenic or had severe depression or any of these types of things, they were institutionalized. They were considered not normal. They were considered quite literally abnormal and they would be placed away from the general public while they either figured their stuff out or sometimes spent their entire life in there. So that's... That's one, one tragic story, uh, history about being where we are now. But is it something that has been on the rise that more and more people have always had it and we have developed the tools, the wherewithal, the acknowledgement, the knowledge in general of these things? They've always been there. They were at the surface. We were misdiagnosing. We weren't understanding. We weren't accepting of them. Is that the case? And we have just come far enough, medically speaking. Have we come far enough in diagnosis? Have we come far enough uh, in understanding brain patterns and behaviors and so on and so forth to say, yeah, these things have always been present. These things have always been there. We just, we weren't acknowledging them properly. We were classifying them differently. Um, You know, we're more of an inclusive community in terms of culture these days. So, yep, this is the way it's always been. And now we're just kind of seeing it through a different lens. Chicken or the egg? Or is it there's been an influx of people who have been suffering from their alignment being out of balance. So depression, anxiety, whatever it is, the chemical, whatever you want to define it as, whether it's feeling or chemical. Is it that the world's gone to such shit that this is where we are now? Okay. And I'm... I'm not about like, it's not as like, like a dump on the world, like everything is failing, everybody's terrible, and so now everybody's feeling the effects of it. But I mean, I mean that. 
I do mean it. So, like, not very directly, but, like, because more people live in poverty than they ever have before, because only a certain percentage, a 4% of, this is obviously American culture, by the way, um, 4% of people own the wealth. 40% of that wealth, by the way, is from baby boomers, which means that Gen Xers and millennials are the brokest they've ever been in terms of, um, you know, people who come after some, I would say midlife, I guess is what I was going with that, right? Uh, let's, what else do we talk about? Just like any, any system that was in place prior for people to, uh, obtain loans, to live outside their means. So whether this is mortgage, maybe it's, um, just buying things in general, it's not accessible to, to middle-agers now. So millennials primarily, but Gen Xers would fall into this too. And soon to be Gen Zers. Those types of things are not accessible. So like retirement and healthcare and all of those, like, so think Medicaid, Medicare, I always do that backwards, sorry. Medicare, think about social security. Those things will not be available. There is nothing in place to supplement them. There is nothing in place to even replace them. And so there's all of this. You have whether you believe it or not, you always have the the crisis that you talk about when it comes to global warming. Uh, politics are incredibly stressful these these days. I think everything always has been right, but there's more people on planet Earth. There's more connectivity, so you are speaking to each other instantaneous via technology, right? So we have access to this information that, man, st- stuff is not only crappy in my community, things are crappy in my my home country, things are hap- um, happening in my continent, People, things are happening globally. So we also have an inundated amount of information, both positive and negative, that we're taking on too. So which came first? Is it is it the compounding emotions that have been going on and going on and going on that have led us to this or is it again it's always been there we just didn't know it so which is it is it the chicken or the egg and I think I mean I don't have the answer to it I'm asking because I think it's something that we need to be thinking about I I, if I had to go with a logical answer I think it would probably be a little bit of both I think that it's been Every generation receives trauma from the previous generation. So whether it's because you're talking about world war, whether you're talking about like an economic crisis, um, whether you're talking about a pandemic, which all all of us have gone through, each generation has gone through something. Um, so whether you talk about that in particular and not having an outlet, I guess I per se, like from my understanding, obviously I'm a millennial, from my understanding of Gen Xers, baby boomers, and everything past, it was like, there was a lot we didn't talk about. There was a lot we didn't talk about. There was a lot of acceptance of this is the way that it is. And um, I just think that it was. But in the same breath, I'm also, you know, a whitewashed cis female. So my experience in history is pretty limited comparatively. It wasn't, it was not ever peachy keen. And what I mean by that is like, if you go back to like, I remember during the elect, the last presidential election, well, I guess it would have been two presidential elections ago now, um, there was a lot of people that were using this tagline, like make America great again, make America great again. And there was a lot of conversation about, well, what does that even mean? What do you, when, when are you referring to that America, America was great? Uh, because the idea people were saying is that they were that when we talk about making America great again is when we were a prosperous country when we were considered to be on top uh, and around that time would have been at a time I'm gonna I'm gonna botch up the I think it was like 50s and 60s I don't know what people are really but there was there was a conversation about what people were referring to when they said make America great again 
if this was the case, my understanding is, is that people were kind of referring to a time where it was a one income household. People could survive on that. Um, uh, one partner could stay home and raise the babies if they really wanted to. And people could survive on that. And so we want to make America great again. We want to be, be there. We want to be in that instance, in that place where everybody can really have a piece of the American pie. And yeah, that does really sound fantastic. It sounds, it sounds almost euphoric. One person works ultimately if they want to, the other person has the option if they want to, but we could survive with two adults and a family on one income. Yeah, you damn right. That sounds good. Of course it sounds good. Okay. But there was a lot of additional conversation that came in, of course, that said, yeah, but that is only one perspective of the American dream at that point in that time what about people who were still living in poverty what about people of color who had less rights than anybody i mean white people were the only people that had you know all the rights and it wasn't even it's only 50 percent of that population because it was men so you know when you say let's make things great at a certain time this is not a political conversation it's just an example it's like to say we wanted to we want we want our nation our world our community to reflect a certain time period where it seemed that people had it easier which people, right? So when we say that, like, right now, like, oh, like, because if I was to say, yes, I really wanted to go back to a time where people could have that type of experience and feel that secure, right now, it's not just people of color that are affected by that mentality. There's lots of people who are white, and this is not to make this a race thing, it's just to say that there are more people in fragile situations than there were pre previously. And even with this division of color and creed and religion and politics and all that, so on and so forth, we're only really against each other here, by the way, okay? Like, y'all have to hear my heart, like, I'm not trying to go into a slippery slope, but I saw this TikTok that was just phenomenal, by the way, okay, I'm just going to segue this in real quick, and it was a white woman, um, and it was stitched with a woman of color who was, like, reacting to the video. Video, as the white woman explained that people in higher power positions have done a really great job at turning the commoners around at, on each other okay and you can I'm, I'm, I don't care what you think as commoners I mean I'm talking you could be broke as a joke and you could be middle class we're all commoners in this regard when you separate us from the super wealthy not the old not the, not, not, not the wealthy like if you got millions of dollars in your bank account you're still considered with us just so you know okay but when you separate us from the ultra wealthy they have done a really good job at pitting us against each other and what she clarified and made such a valiant point was that they've done specifically a very good job at convincing all white people that we are better off than people of color. So if you happen to fall in a lower income bracket and happen to be of white color, you might hate people of color because you think you're better than them. Because somebody has basically continued to tell you that. Although that's something that we've been trying to get away from, uh, everybody's equal, everybody's deserving. There is a lot of down the spiral conversation about, well, don't forget though, your color, your color allows for you to be, you are better than them. You're better than them and you, you make more money than them. And I don't think that people sometimes even recognize that when, when they are fighting on that behalf, that it's, it's a color conversation. But it, but it really was a beautiful TikTok, honestly. It, it was something that I feel like I, I was like, oh, I, I think I kind of felt that way, but I didn't know how to articulate it or put it into words. Um, and the reason I share that is not, again, to get political, it's to really recognize how hurtful it is that we don't step back and recognize how segregated we are. And again, it's not, it's not color. This is mostly about class. To think that we are better than each other, we're, none of us are. 
we are all like having a hard time, I think. Okay. And I guess that's making an assumption. Um, but I, I know that most of the people in my audience are definitely going to be middle class and below. There's not a lot of affluent women who are listening to my podcast, um, that I know of, but I, that doesn't mean they don't have problems. Just so you know, I have partied with women. Um, I have partied in the projects and I have partied in the largest homes I've ever seen. Uh, and everybody has intimacy issues. And that's, I think, the the thing that crushes me the most and also continues me in my job as much as I do because the amount of exposure I have seen in the, in the human design is just, it's reassuring and heartbreaking at the same time. You know, there's so many words out here being used to hurt one another. There's so many ideas that we are using to separate ourselves and at the end of the day each and every one of us is hurt when somebody abandons us each and every one of us feels trauma when um you know something's unearthed that happened to us as a child each and every one of us doesn't always feel 100 percent worthy and instead of coming together and being able to recognize man what can we do to bring each other up what can we do to really make sure everybody has even what what they need just for basic i mean we are stomping over each other for that and it's it's really sad it's really sad and i think that through spiritual development and growth the thing i've been struggling with the most is legitimately wanting to give up all the time and that makes me emotional because it really is the feeling that I feel all the time. And I don't mean about my life. I don't ever have feelings like that. But I mean like when you go back and forth with trying to find a passion. You know, you go, you go back and forth and trying to find a, a way to live or to sustain your life. And when you beat yourself out of, I can't do the 9 to 5. I refuse to work for somebody else. I, I really want time, freedom, and flexibility. You know, I think that I'm feeling a lot of the emotion that I'm seeing for everybody else right now too like for a lot of people who went to remote working last year in 2020 you know i'm seeing everybody on social media platforms discussing how first of all minimum wage didn't increase it didn't increase and so the thought that people can make a living off of what most people are offering as starting salaries is just asinine. It's asinine. And so people people got finally got kind of hip to it. It's not to say that you're slow to the show. It's that you didn't you were in autopilot mode for so long that you didn't have a, a, a moment to stop and see how you were being taken advantage of. You didn't have a moment to understand that there was a better way. You didn't have an you did not have the opportunity to stop and go, "Whoa." that really wasn't working for me. And I was just going, 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 going at top speed that I, I, I really had not even been able to pump the brakes long enough to go, God, I'm so exhausted. I knew I was exhausted, but I thought that I had to keep going. And now we're in this predicament. I was just saying to my husband that it's just this bizarre cyclical situation right now where we have all of these places who are trying to hire and unable to hire people. They're offering Bitcoin to sign up. They're offering, you know, uh, bonuses for when you when you actually accept the position and so on and so forth. And there's all this conversation about how we can't hire people. And then there's this other conversation about unemployment. And this is different for every place that you're at, of course. But there's conversations about stopping unemployment. Because now, of course, there's this debate about, well, if you let people stay on unemployment, they're just going to stay lazy. No, they're making more at unemployment than they are at crappy jobs that weren't appreciated them anyway that's the honest conversation that's the honest conversation and I won't even get into you know this conversation about like we can't have any type of 
assistance or benefits for people because of that same reason. I'll keep them lazy. <laughs> no, I don't think enough people have been in a position to have time on their hands, to have time freedom. When you work for a job or you have a lifestyle, it doesn't even have to be your job. Maybe you're in a relationship that's emotionally draining. Your energy is just not there. You live uninspired and un- unmotivated. Then that is that rat race. Then you will go do something for eight hours for somebody else. You'll come home and be completely drained because you're not motivated by your own passions. You're not motivated by your own ideas and goals and dreams. You have been working for somebody else's security. I mean, your security, but it was given to you by somebody else. So of course you're going to show up 40 hours a week. It's easy. It's fucking easy as hell. It's super easy. It's scary as shit to not know where your next paycheck's coming in. It's scary as hell to have to believe in yourself to be able to manifest your next paycheck. You know, it's it's not easy. And so you gain this financial uh, financial freedom, I would say, and you can and you should. You gain this time freedom and flexibility, but with the anxiety that's added into it. And that gets better in time and confidence and so on and so forth. But the cyclical conversation that I was having with you is that, you know, so now we have this issue where people won't apply and there's this argument about people are lazy. No, it's because you finally had the break to see that not only was your employment opportunity flexible, so not only could you potentially work from home or work different hours and the business would still go out and run, you also noticed that you had more leverage than you ever thought before. Because I'm sure as one person for a very long time, you thought, I can't make change. I can't make change. If I quit this place, it's just one person. But if the whole organization decides on all of a sudden and really recognizes the collective power of force, if we don't show up because we didn't get these demands, if we don't get those raises, if we don't have minimum wage increased, if we don't have, get these benefits that we, we should have for working our asses off, uh, you know, for these people, then we shouldn't be working for these people. And so when collectively the, the the minions start to power up, it's going to ripple change. You will still be hearing conversations that people are lazy and that blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. But think about where that rhetoric is coming from. When you tap into the people, it's beautiful. And dare I say that social media and especially TikTok, are, are, they are not necessarily what corporate America wants us to have access to because what used to be that you had to go to a higher level of education and pay a lot of money to get information about and it's not to say by the way like you don't go to a higher education to become a lawyer or a doctor or all these things you do want that information but there's so much more information readily available at our fingertips these days that anybody can become an expert in anything and anything and probably at a fraction of the cost. So now the power is more in our hands than it's ever been before and it's coming directly from our mouths. It used to be filtered out by a corporation or a job or you know, you went to your HR to find out this and that and this that. But now you go on TikTok and you can find out if there are employees who treat their uh, employers who treat their employees great or not so great. You can go on and find ways um, to have passive income and supplement your income. You can go on and find ways to eliminate your debt 100% free and not to pay people to do this stuff the amount of knowledge that we have for ourselves it's definitely overwhelming but it's also world changing if we really utilize it and the fact that we are collectively starting to understand that our voices are better together and that we're all thinking a lot more of the same thing than we were before we're starting to detach what we've been told all along and we're starting to really understand what our our own power is and um i'm I, I worry sometimes about sounding like a conspiracy theorist, and so I don't often say a lot of the things that I'm feeling anymore. Um, but it's because I want you to come to your own conclusions. I will definitely talk whatever you want, whenever you want, but I I don't... I, 
I try my best not to solely the platform with one way or the other. I, I think people know that I'm more liberal than I am conservative, but even that doesn't really exist anymore. I even even for myself as a liberal, quote unquote, I I see and I know that all human beings are susceptible to bribery and influence and putting themselves and their families first over the greater good, even if that's what their actual job description is, is to act on the greater good of all humans in their district or world or city or state or whatever. Um, I'm soured a little bit, of course, but I also know that I can't be bitter and angry about that because that just, what, breeds more bitterness and angriness. So the only thing that we really can do collectively is focus on ourselves. I can't change the government as one person. I can't change even my household as one person. I can only change me because I'm the one that shows up every single day and chooses to make it a good day or a bad day or a frustrating day or a hard day. And today it's been an anxious day. It's been an anxious day with millions of thoughts running through my mind. It's an anxious day with trying to pull the trigger on what step is next. It's an anxious day with trying to level up with the fact that I, I am capable of making the right decision. But those are the things that are going through my, my mind right now. And I don't know what you're going through, but I just need you to understand that this time that's happening right now, I, I like, I can verify that you're not alone. It's, it's quite crazy that since I've become more singular in the coaching aspect and not just doing the in-home parties, I mean, I talk to people every day. I talk to people every day. I do parties every weekend. I have coaching clients every week. And my point is, is that on a given day, I, I speak to a minimum of five people outside of my family. And on a heavy day, I speak to 35 people outside my family. And the reason I share this with you is because I hadn't intentionally been really tracking it. But when when the moon is new, when the tides are high, when women are menstruating, like these things really matter. They really matter. Uh, and you're crazy if you don't think they do. You know that everything else fluctuates with the seasons. You know that it does. You know that plants do, you know that animals do, and we are part of the animal species and we forget. We try to live outside of that norm, but it, it is what it is. We are part of a cyclical species and we have been so far gone from that for so long that I feel like that's part of the reason why we have such mental illness or mental awareness um, or mental health that, that we need to focus on. We have been pushing and pulling ourselves so far away from everything that's natural about us that this is where we're at. This is where we're at. So when we do less and we concentrate more on the greater good of our individual selves, that's when change really happens. Because collectively as one person, if I get up on my pedestal and I start, start shouting the things that I have been, well, then what? I got 15 to 100 people who listen and watch this podcast weekly. I've got 4,000 women in my VIP page, 4,500, and 3,800 of those, you know, tune in weekly. And four of them choose to party with me a month. And one of them, you know, decides that they're going to become a new coaching client a month. And uh, a handful of them decide that they're going to do the, the empowerment class, right? So my platform is not large. Other people's are. Other people's are smaller. Other people's are bigger. But when we can sit here on this platform and say, listen, I'm not over here to change you. I'm not over here to even tell you what the right decision is. I can't do that. My decision for my life is what's best for me and yours will be what's best for you. But I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart that I respect your decision and I also believe in you enough that you're capable and you have a growth mindset that if something doesn't feel right for you, that you're going to go out and find the tools to figure out how to make that right. That's it. That's it. Even in my business, you know, when people sit down with me and they want to do coaching, I tell them straight up and I believe that more and more light workers, more spiritual workers, more coaches, they are starting to claim this more and more. You're going to see this. But the, the idea is not that we think we're healing you. 
And people who say they are or think they are, that's asinine. And they, they will fall far. Not not necessarily from a business perspective, but at some point, like they already internalize a lot of pain and hurt because sometimes their clients don't do what they want them to do in terms of changing or being successful. And they internalize that. That's the difference is that you can't hold yourself accountable for other people making the change. You have to live your life of influence. And that's it. You go out and you show up how you want to show up. And people who admire that, people who want that, they will align with you as well. That's it. If I go out and I'm being a dick, if I'm gossipy, I'm going to attract other people who want to be a dick and who want to be gossipers. I know this to be true because they were my friends three years ago because I was a massive gossiper. Even one of my besties, Lacey, okay, I'm not throwing her under the bus. Her and I, we used to gossip together all the time and it was one of our favorite pastimes to do it. And it was obviously, honestly, not even really like the type of classic gossip that you would think. Like we weren't really usually shit talking people, but um, you know, from time to time, we'll still reach out to each other and be like, you know, I need like a 2018 Rachel like point of view or a 2000 Lacey snarky wrist because it still makes me laugh. That was, like, you know, but it's at somebody's expense and that's not okay. It's not okay. So we keep that very short. We're trying to like, you know, be completely out of that old habit that was three years ago and we're, we're there majority of the time. Uh, but from time to time, you know, there's somebody that just gets under your skin and you just go back to your old ways. All right. So I just tell you that because I know that I'm not perfect and I know that, um, you know, I was just crying 15 minutes ago, potentially, whatever that was. Um, it's been waving really heavily on me. The fact that when I say that I want to give up, I often am just like, I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Like I, it's such a dichotomy because I love what I do. I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Like for the last eight years while I've been doing in-home parties, and I would say for the last seven years, I knew that that was in my core what I wanted to be doing and I was doing it well and I didn't question it. And, you know, I got out of another job that I didn't want to do so I could do this full time. And then two years ago when I decided that maybe I wanted to do the coaching alongside of it, you know, it's been quite magical because I've never felt more fulfilled. I've never felt more validated that I've been doing the right thing for me. Um, I've never felt like it was work. Like I never felt like, oh God, I can't believe I have to go clock in. I can't believe I have to go do this coaching, coaching client. I can't believe I have to do this class. It's never felt like that ever but sometimes at the end of the day it's this why do I have to do anything to make money why why do I have to do anything to survive why is this mandatory for all people I don't know why I'm getting so emotional about it right now but probably because it's just like it's the thing I've been struggling with like why does anybody why do I have to prove to the outside world what my value is so that I can put food on the table for my family why do I have to, and mine's, my, I think one of the things that I'm struggling with mine is because like when you work for corporate America, right, like it's kind of easier to detach. It's like, yeah, I put in this time. This is my money. So I'm going to go spend this on this vacation. I'm going to do what I want. But like when you're an entrepreneur and somebody can message me if you relate to this in a corporate structure too. But like for me, it's like, I, I think my, my problem right now is I'm so stuck in the things I can't do instead of the things that my job has given me, which is bizarre because I'm always so grateful for the time, freedom, and flexibility, um, and so on and so forth. But, like, it's like, why are we doing this stupid thing? Why are we exchanging anything for anything? Why do I have to do this for that person so that my lights stay on? Why does that person need to... Same thing, though. Why does this person need to go clock in at a nine-to-five without maternity leave, without dental, because that's extra, without mental health coverage to see a therapist and all this, so on and so forth? Why does that person need to do all those things just to have a healthy life? Why is that the energy exchange, you know? Like, why? Why? Okay? So that's probably one of the things I think I struggle with the most, um, 
recently, but in my business. Like I just explained to my kid the other day that, you know, my job, I've noticed, and this is my fault, of course, and I'm working towards it, but my job is so much more of an energy exchange than it is monetary exchange, and that limits me and my family because, you know, if it was up to my husband, every everything I did would have a price tag associated to it. Not because he doesn't think that you're worthy of having the content and that you're worthy of bettering your life, but because he understands that in our reality, this is how we fund our world. Like it is just what it is, is that humans exchange currency to live. And I do so much energetically to give my stuff away that it's a double-edged sword. I feel good about it. I do. I, I don't ever regret giving it away, but do I kick myself sometimes where I'm like, man, I should probably book another party or man, I should really pull, um, I should, I should run a promo or man, I should fill a class or something. Uh, because I'm feeling, I'm feeling financially a little tight. I'm not, I'm not exactly where I'd like to be, but I do that to myself because I could buckle down. I could be tighter about returns or refunds or, um, skip sessions or charging more for sessions or classes or when people say, Hey, I just want to, I want to pick your ear for a minute. I could go, Oh yeah, but that's, that's $10 of my time. You know, like I don't want to do that as far as I know, but it makes a huge impact on your life when you're exchanging your energy for service instead of money for service. And if it was more universally accepted that more people were doing energy exchange and people do, by the way, you know, like maybe you scoop your neighbor's um, driveway and they bake you some banana bread that that's an energy exchange as well. But it's just not in the formal sense of currency exchange. I can't I can eat that banana bread, but I can't pay my electricity. Right. If if our world was more energy exchange, man, I'd be a fucking millionaire. I could, I could, I, I would be Jeff Bezos. I mean, I wouldn't really be just Jeff Bezos because I know other people have way more energy than I do. But I'd be like a mid-level CEO when it came to energy exchange. You know what I mean? So, so I'm, I'm frustrated with myself because I haven't figured out a solution. I'm frustrated with myself because I let that get to me when I already know that in spiritual development and growth, it's all about action. Like when you start to feel these things, when you start to feel the weight of the world and capitalism and politics and religion and discord and people not getting along and fighting over things that you wish they didn't fight over anymore and so on and so forth, the idea is not to turn away from it. Like the idea is that in personal development, you're not supposed to get to a point where you hate the world and that it seems really counterintuitive to grow yourself and that you want to escape to the mountains and be, you know, um, completely alone because you just can't face the humility of the rest of the civilization. That's not what that's about. The truth of the matter is, is that when you're developing yourself, it's really about understanding those things, recognizing that you're the only thing in this equation that can change. You can't change anything else beyond yourself and that it's all about action. So these gifts that I feel like I have, I don't know what your gifts are. I really want you to think about them. Are you really good at sewing? Are you really good at gardening? Are you really good at being empathetic? Are you really good at perspective shifting? Are you really good at mining jewels? Like you don't, I don't know what your gift is, but whatever your gift is, that's what should be what you do with it. I mean, like in my opinion, you should be able to live off of that gift. Um, and that's just not where we're at right now, of course. But, you know, it's important to consider what brings you the most joy and happiness. And if you can let that carry you, then fantastic. Woohoo, great things, right? But when when you find yourself in a predicament like this where you're questioning, it, it can be it can be heavy sometimes. It can be heavy. So the idea is that you should recognize those gifts and understand that you can't do anything in the world by dimming that light. You know, so for me, for an example, when I discovered I really wanted to do the coaching thing, but I had this identity of doing the in-home parties for a while and through a couple of therapy sessions, 
I had to understand how I could turn both of those lights on at least for a while because that was okay. Okay, I wasn't doing my clients, my family, anybody, any favors by dimming the coaching light down and only keeping the in-home party light on. I'm not doing anybody any favors because when I only advertise myself as that particular thing, what about all those other people who are missing out on? Like I've talked to people about wealth and finances. I've talked to people about spirituality, quite a bit of spirituality, and that would not necessarily come up in an intimacy role. Right, So I don't do anybody any favors by minimizing my opportunities and my talent, and neither do you. So maybe you're an amazing singer, but you've never thought that that was a gift. You know, lots of people can sing. You're damn right a lot of people can sing, but how many people do and how many people share it with the world and how many people get to enjoy it? You know, so you don't do yourself or the world any favors by playing small. And Jen Sincero had said that, I, and it, it changed me when I read it in her book, You Are a Badass, because I think a lot of us, what we do is we end up feeling guilty we feel guilty for being good at something, especially if the rest of the world isn't, especially if it's something that is very detrimental to the world. So the fact that I have the ability to put myself in other people's shoes and have perspective is not something that everybody else can do. I can often see why people say things that are hurtful. I can often understand or at least make an assumption for us to diffuse the situation fast enough to go, that wasn't about me, that's about them. I have a gift for that. Not everybody can do that. But maybe your gift is being able to crochet baby booties so perfectly that NICU babies need your gift, right? Maybe you have the ability to see numbers with colors. My friend Danny can do this. It's called synesthesia. Um, it's basically where your I think it's kinesthesia because uh, basically two of your senses wrap together. So when she sees certain numbers and certain words, she sees colors that are associated with them. So she's great with numbers because she can remember them easy. That's a phenomenal gift. What's your gift? And understanding that, at least for me, I think part of my struggle was is that I felt like if I let my my light shine too bright, people would tell me to turn it down. That people would tell me that I was being arrogant or who do you think you are? Who do you think you are trying to be or whatever? But you don't do anybody favors by putting that gift in a box and locking it away. And I truly believe in my heart that a lot of people who work in corporate America, they do that. Now, again, you may really like your job. I know that sometimes I, I know I bash a lot on, um, you know, organized work like that, but I don't think that the masses are really built for it. I think that we're coming to an age where people are starting to understand that and we were really conditioned for the role of working 40 plus hours a week, but I don't think a lot of people really like that. You know, for a lot of people I see, you still work your job and maybe you go home and you you do watercoloring. Maybe you go home and you exercise ex- extensively. Maybe you go home and you train your dog or your cat to do something. That's a gift. That's a gift and a passion. And you can, you can in this day and age, translate that into an income somehow, some way. You really can. It's crazy. So I, I truly believe that we're on the verge of seeing more and more of that. And how great, how great that you have something that you could show the world that, you know, maybe that's way more impactful than sitting in a call center answering phone calls about a cell phone bill and helping people pay their bill. Okay, I don't know. But let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, ways of working this out, okay? So, oh my gosh, I'm sweating a little bit. That's, hopefully that means we've gotten some content going out here, okay? So when we talk about like um, growth mindset, when we talk about improving ourselves and so on and so forth, right? Like it's important that we really recognize, in my opinion, that there's two forms of awareness and accepting this mental health advocacy for yourself, okay? So 
I definitely have firsthand experience in this and I really want to share it with you because I, I feel like some people, I mean, most of us have, but we really have never stopped and reflected how much we've survived, how much we've gone through, how much we've pivoted, whatever the case may be. But understanding that there's two forms of awareness. So the first thing is there's a collective agreement when it comes to mental health awareness, whatever it is that, that you want to call it again, there's a collective agreement. And over the years, I think it is very evident that the collective agreement has lessened okay so used to be that collectively speaking i would say if you're looking at the united states because i that's usually what i associate with because you know it's the majority of our culture for us here um it's more widely accepted to be even talking about therapy it used to be such a cliche you did not go you were very weak if you did uh it was really a woman thing even though there was a lot more male therapists out there right so collectively as a culture we are more accepting today than we have been previously of getting help or even understanding mental health and awareness and um, all of the byproducts of it. Okay, so that's the first portion of it. The second portion of this is personal acceptance. So the first one, again, is everybody's thoughts and values about therapy and help and so on and so forth. And there's other modalities in talk therapy, of course. There's Reiki healing. There's EFT tapping. You could get a coach if you wanted. There's so many ways. And by the way, none of them are right or wrong. It's just your personal, your personal journey, okay? So the second is personal acceptance. So although we as a whole uh, community, we've started to become more accepting of this idea, what is your personal thoughts about this? You know, like, do you think it's okay to reach out and get help? Do you think it is a sign of weakness to be vulnerable and open? You might. And that's okay. It's not really okay. We're going to work towards that. But I just want you to know that your thoughts and values are okay about that because you were programmed with that. More than likely you grew up in a household or religion, something that prompted this understanding to you that you don't get help. You don't need help. Maybe whatever it is. I don't know what it is, okay? But there are two levels to this because even though collectively it's been much easier, I would say let's talk about uh, men. Men, of course, are probably a little bit farther behind than, let's say, straight women, um, even bisexual. I don't know if I say bisexual. I didn't mean to say that. But, like, anybody of the LGBTQ plus community, they're probably going to be more accepting of their uh, ideas of going to therapy and getting help than just straight men are. So... There are two diameters, uh, dichotomies to that. So you do need to make sure that you're tagging to both. Obviously for Rachel, I believe collectively that it's gotten less and less. And I've been in talk therapy off and on um, for the better part of a decade. The longest longest strand was like two years straight. Um, it was the, it, it, I was navigating my life the easiest. I had more ease and more focus and more clarity than I ever had before. And sometimes, y'all, I tell you what, I would say nine times out of my 10, my, my therapist only sat there and let me just unload. I, I, I tell you that. She absolutely gave me tools all the time. I never used them because I'm ADHD. She gave me a piece of paper, never did it, okay? It is so freeing to, I mean, and I made a commitment to myself. I can't, I can't say that you would do this too, but I made a commitment to myself to go in and be completely transparent. I was so open and honest with her. I never hid anything and I never lied. I was so open with her and I would just feel cathartically better after I left, after being able to say my piece and say the things I needed to. That was sometimes was enough. All right, so those are the two. So personally, obviously, I very much accept it. I think that healing modalities are very important. I think that uh, everybody should be doing multiples of them. You should be finding what works for you and understand that maybe different seasons of life, something different will work too. The next thing I think that we need to really do is detach from the idea that getting help is a womanly thing. 
okay? Uh, it just, it's just not, okay? I've said this before, so I'm gonna go through this really quickly so we can get past this portion of it. There is no such thing as feminine and there is no such thing as masculine. I think you know that, but let's let's tap into it a little bit more. There isn't, there isn't. What we are talking about is a man versus woman thing, or like, we're not talking about that, but that's the idea that we have, man versus woman. We already know that this is slightly asinine. Um, for Gen Xers and millennials, we're better exposed to what the baby boomers are. Gen Zers, they're already living this and whatever they're calling Gen Z after this, it will just be the new way of life. We will no longer use he and she proactively, I don't think. It will be they primarily. And then as we grow up, we will identify what our pronouns are. Um, we won't be forced into just being assumed that we are one thing or the other. So there is no such thing as he versus she because there is no such thing as man versus woman. There is this idea of masculine and feminine, both living in a body at once. And this is true. You and I both know this. You and I both know this because let's take myself for example. I can't give you your examples, but you'll be able to resonate with this. In my relationship, and in my relationship, I am a heterosexual woman currently in my life. My husband is a heterosexual male. Uh, And in our relationship, I rarely ever do the cooking rarely ever do the cooking. I'm so fortunate that my husband very much enjoys to cook. Now, quote unquote, traditionally speaking, um, and this is again, all of these thoughts and values about what women do, what men do in relationships and households and so on and so forth, it's absolutely dissipating and it's going to be more blurred lines. But traditionally, quote unquote speaking, in a household, the woman is expected or the expectation is that the woman does the cooking. So in my household, it would look to say that I am masculine in cooking and my husband is feminine in cooking because he likes to cook and I do not. But neither of those is true. It does not make me more masculine to not like to cook. And it does not make him more feminine because he does like to cook. It means he is a person who identifies primarily masculine who likes to cook. And I am somebody who identifies primarily feminine and does not like to cook. That's the difference. And I think that is so profound if we can really start to wrap our brains around that. Um, I, 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 I think for myself, I identify as like 90 to 95% feminine and 5% masculine. I'm brass. I'm loud. I cuss a lot. Um, I definitely believe that my rights are as equal as anybody else's. I will talk politics. I will talk abortion. Uh, I will stir the pot. I don't have an inside voice. You know, I'm very um, assertive in some cases, right? These are quote unquote masculine traits that people associate to masculinity. And I will say, by the way, that's not a lie. What we consider masculine is firm and secure and so on and so forth. And what we consider feminine would be like nurturing and caring. Those attributes are accurate to the ism, the feminism or the masculinism. But it's not, it's not um, a descriptive trait that is not fluid, if that makes sense. My husband, I don't, he'd have to obviously tell you, but I mean, I'm, his is probably pr- fairly similar. His is fairly similar where he's majority masculine and a little bit feminine, a little bit feminine. And you know this, right? Let's, let's, let's just for an example, let's take a homosexual man, right? We don't, I mean, I'll, but I'm just going to make some shit up. Like 50-50, right? Show, I mean, I'm, I would even say sometimes more feminine than masculine, right? Do, do, do homosexual men, uh, this is stereotypical, of course, because everybody's different, right? But this is where we're getting into this. Stereotypically speaking, we assume that men who are hom- homosexual generally tend to be more feminine than masculine. But I know gay men, I've seen gay men who like to cut down trees and to build houses and to do these things that are quote unquote masculine. So there is no such thing as masculine versus feminine. So that whole tangent, just so we can really shape an idea that getting help may be considered a feminine trait because it's nurturing and caring, but it's not a womanly thing to get help. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. And we need to have this conversation more than I think 
because it really allows for people who do uh, uh, identify masculine to have this ability that it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you to seek out another opinion or another perspective. That's okay. It's actually incredibly healthy and probably will be very freeing and relieving for you just as a heads up, okay? So uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the fact that I believe that this is also the fact that this is a new normal that's on the rise, okay? I've mentioned this before, so this is shot number two because I've said that before um, in this podcast, but here's what I want, I've talked about and I, I just... It, it pulls at my heart because this idea that mental um, health is becoming a priority, that it'll become more of the norm, all of that, so on and so forth. Gen X, Gen X, this is something that Gen Xers wished there had been a reality for. Wished that there was more conversation about mental health and awareness. The fact that they would have known that childhood trauma really programmed them into adulthood. Uh, that they would replicate that into their parenting and so on and so forth. I believe that Gen Xers are one of the, the, the generations that are struggling the most. I believe that. I believe that to my core. And then millennials. Millennials, we have been in this predicament where we knew... We knew this reality was possible. We knew that there had to be a better way, even if we didn't, couldn't articulate it, even if we couldn't get it out, all right? If it was an internal thing that we were feeling, we knew that we could have this. We knew that we could straighten shit out. We knew that we could change, but we didn't know how it was gonna happen and we were unsure of how to get us there, you know? And this takes trailblazers. This takes people who will do it first to... Oh God, for a number of different reasons. Like you'll, people will say you're crazy. Will people think that you're insane? People will, whatever, whatever. Okay. So we knew, but we didn't know how to get it done. And I think that a lot of people in Gen Xers and millennials, you know, we had to take the brunt of, oh, you're in therapy. Oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, you're in therapy. Like what makes you think, why are you not motivated enough just to change it yourself? There's a lot of that. And when it comes in for the tail end of millennials and Gen, Gen Zers, this is something that's demanded. Like, if you watch TikTok even just a little bit, I mean, you're going to see younger people going, no, I will not work in a place that makes me feel that way. No, absolutely. Like, you don't, you you think I have a problem going, you better be, in th- I'm not even to date you unless your profile app says that you are in therapy currently, okay? Like, that's kind of a running joke. Like, it was like, uh, what's four words that make a woman go crazy on TikTok? And this guy says, I'm, I am in therapy. What's his four words? I am in therapy. So, um, it's on the rise to say the least it's not commonly accepted yet but neither was flying in an airplane when it first came out you know so um i definitely think that getting help or asking for help is less taboo than it's ever been before never been before okay um it's it's great it's great that we're here but we have to go kind of revisit this collective versus personal so we talked about the collective agreement versus your personal acceptance over how your thoughts and feelings are about getting help and so on and so forth now there's a personal understanding that this isn't that this this means that this isn't something wrong with you when you come down to this okay i think i struggled with this quite a bit when i was doing spiritual um development and growth in the beginning because it was like i was doing it in secret for such a long time i wasn't telling people i was reading books i wasn't telling people i was taking courses i wasn't telling people that i was actually doing the work sometimes i wasn't even sharing this like fully with my husband because internally it was like i was saying that there was something wrong with me and that i was accepting that about myself and so I needed to change it. And if I was changing it, it meant that the thing that I was changing was not okay or that it was less than thereof and that I should be ashamed of who that I was and the fact that I wanted to get better. And 
I get that, but it's just, it's, it's unfortunate. Like, I don't want you to go through thinking that there's something wrong with you because there really isn't. There really isn't. You have to remember and understand where you came from. You did not raise yourself. It was impossible, you know? We just, we just don't do that. So something, something gave you thoughts, ideas around everything, everything from the moment you were born, you were programmed until we were seven, all the way up until we're 18. I still will tell you that I think that we're programmable until the day we die. It's a reason we fall for advertising. It's a reason that we get into FOMO. It's a reason why we have brand loyalty because we're programmed for these things. So you can't beat yourself up about a fact that when you were in any arrangement, whether it was your biological parents, a caregiver, where you were in the system, whatever it is, you can't blame yourself for being sad sometimes or not understanding how to navigate anger or whatever, whatever, because somebody taught you that was the way to be, whether they directly gave you the information or they influenced you from a lack thereof, whether it was their presence or knowledge, you didn't do this to yourself. You have to understand that. And, um, you know, as somebody who ga- who grew up in the gifted program, uh, if you're an ADHD or you can probably relate to this, this is something that I'm learning about. If you were in um, gifted programs, you excelled very easily. People told you things came easily to you and then you really struggled in high school, college, or the adult world because things didn't necessarily come as easy to you. Now you felt really stupid because you thought things were supposed to. Y'all, this is that's something about that. Like, because I, I couldn't fix myself because I couldn't understand my emotions because I couldn't save money. Any of those things, I thought that I was wrong or something was wrong with me. And it, it has to do with reflection and meditation and all of these things we're talking about for modalities to really get into the to the heart of it. And sometimes it hits you like a ton of bricks where you're going, oh, that's where that memory comes from. I understand now why I feel scarcity around money is because I grew up in a trailer park and I thought we were poor. So that's why I feel this way. Or sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you go trying to unearth that feeling of rejected or abandoned and you, you want to heal that part of you so you no longer feel it, but you can't pinpoint the exact time that it happened. So all you got to do is work with those emotions and do the best that you can so that you can reprogram your brain to be more whatever it is you're looking for, successful, fulfilled, whatever, whatever, right? So that's got to be what's going on. And oh my gosh, I just have to tell you that I didn't, this has never happened to me before. I'm actually kind of excited about it, but we're going to have to go to a part two. We're going to have to go to part two. Today was really just kind of unearthing these heavy emotions. So hopefully you're resonating with that and understanding that this is not abnormal. I think more people are feeling the heavy weight of all of this stuff that we're unearthing, we're discovering, we're learning about ourselves. And we don't know what to do with this information we're unpacking. It's just like another weight added to it is like, what am I supposed to be doing with all of this stuff? This feels like a lot. And, and, and then we go into that savior mode of should I be changing the world? Now I feel like I'm not changing the world. Now I feel like I'm a failure. It doesn't work that way. Not your job to save the world. It is your job to save yourself so that you can influence everybody else who comes into your path to do the same for themselves. Oh my gosh, I feel so much better already, you guys. I'm just telling you, this is probably why I felt like crap last week because I didn't do a podcast. So we are going to have to do a part two. I can't even believe this. I don't know if I will wait a whole nother week because I I was not planning on doing a second podcast. I don't even have time to fill a second part or film the second part right now. I will get it done and we'll get it uploaded as soon as I can. So the second part we'll be tuning into, we'll be talking about how the shift has begun. So ways to recognize that this has been more accepting um, the ways that it's happening, the ways that we have influence um, from everybody that it's being more accepted. And uh, also three actual steps, actual steps to implement this, uh, this idea and knowledge so that you can really get moving with yourself so that you feel a lot better. All right. So we have lots of really great information to come still. So if you got some value from this, I want to tell you so much um, from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you. Please make sure to favorite this podcast. Uh, For a long time, I didn't even know I could see that people were doing that. You guys, it means the world to me that you're favoring this podcast. Uh, So I I, I can't even believe it. It means, it means so much. You guys are so special. So make sure 
sure you're doing that. Make sure you're uh, sharing this content with somebody if you feel like you got some value from that too. That would mean a lot to me and I'm sure to them too that you were thinking about them. Even if they don't listen to it, they're like, wow, somebody's really thinking about me when I heard this information. That's great. Uh, but again, you can connect with me in all of the ways I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Anchor, Ven- oh, I almost say Venmo every time. I don't even know why. Anchor, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Gmail if you want. And intimacy building is the core of what I do. But uh, over the next two to five years, I definitely see myself completely in, in a place where... Um, all types of coaching are my specialty, not just the intimacy, but uh, obviously I'm going to have eight years up on that. So meaning I've been doing it longer than everything else. So it's probably gonna be my forte for a while. But uh, just let me know if you feel like there's anything that I can do to help better your life, y'all. I've been in a position um, two years ago when I was in flow and personal development, everything felt like it was going amazingly. Uh, I think the pandemic as well as some new growth in my life, some new directional change in my world, some understanding of worldviews growing up in general, um, you know, having some discord about everything about my life and so on and so forth brings me here today in it, it, it's it's only gonna it's only you're like what was that ramble about I don't really know except for if you're if you are still here it means that you're going through something similar and you just need to hear my heart when I tell you that the community is the biggest thing that you need you need other people who are like-minded like you who are going to carry you through these moments that I've been going through where I've been questioning myself and feeling really alone not not lonely, but alone. Well, I don't even know. Maybe both the same. Anyways, okay. I'm just going to wrap it up for this time because um, that's what we're doing. We're a community for each other. And it, this too shall pass. And it will. And it does. And I'm waiting for that. I definitely feel like I'm in like um, the dark night of the soul. If you've never heard of that, I'm just going through some of my own personal stuff, uh, unearthing some of those traumas. Like I said, I can't pinpoint them, but they're definitely bogging me down. So that only can mean that there's only good things to come. That, that's what it means. I know it's hard to believe that sometimes when you're thick of shit and you're like, God, this is the worst ever. But it doesn't last forever. It just can't. So when you ride the low wave, it means there's a high wave about to come. So I hope that y'all are getting ready for that because I sure as am ready. I can't even wait. And summer's here and I always feel better in the summer. So uh, I can't wait to connect what the second part two podcast of this is going to be. Y'all mean the world to me. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, let me know if there's anything else that I can do for you. But I'll go wrap up. Go ahead and wrap up until next week. So stay happy, stay healthy, and make sure to wash those hands. Goodbye.